Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. It's Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, and Chris Schubert of the Draft Network. And we are here on the Friday free-for-all. Obviously, we figured we'd throw you guys a curveball because I'm not Joe Marino, who typically does the jovial, grumbly hello and introduction to the show. Um, But Joe Marino is sitting directly to my right, and we are together once again. Draft Dudes reunited, this time in Delaware, not in Atlanta for SEC championship game. That ship has sailed. Um, But happy Friday, everybody. We're excited to be on with you. And Joe... I believe you have a message for the people. Yeah, that's correct. I think what I would like to say to the people is head on over to BetOnline.ag, the best place for all your sports action. They've got pro and college hoops, NFL, college football, boxing. If you like the game played on ice, the NHL, that's there for you too. Vegas casino games, Kyle, you can uh, you can play the slot machine. Yeah, I'm gonna do it right now. Yeah, you can do that. Um, the best place for all your sports action, and they have a new updated website. And if you sign up today, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code BLEAV50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. BetOnline is where the game starts. So we're together, right? Like you made that point already. I and did. this is a little bit of a tease of like a lot of togetherness coming up with the draft cycle really kicking off with the all-star circuit and the combine and the draft and a lot of different things in between that we have going on. And so we're not normally together, but there will be quite a bit of it coming up. In fact, we've, we've had a lot, right? We were in Miami together. We were in Atlanta together. We're in the great state of Delaware, the first state. And you only have to spend about 10 seconds in the state of Delaware before you realize that they are very proud of being the first state. So yeah, it's, it's plastered all over the place. Yeah, up big, here. big deal. I, if I were the first state, I would care a lot about it too. So Chris, how are we doing? Uh, doing good, gentlemen. Is this weird for you guys to be sitting next to each other, sharing one microphone, and just like looking at each other instead of looking into the camera? Is that weird for you guys? Bit. Yeah, it's, it's a different experience. We've done it before. I mean, we've done live podcasts on sets and locations before, but yeah, to just do a Friday free for all, this is definitely unique. Uh, who wants to start the Friday free for all? Because I got a couple of things that I think are sub topics that are not like we lead out of the gate with these things so i feel like if, if there's something that you guys really want to talk about first we should probably hit that well i, I mean i definitely want to talk about jason garrett and him being in line it seems to be the next head coach at duke and um you know i'm the acc guy for the draft network and i've really enjoyed duke football lately under coach Cutcliffe and I mean a historic run for David Cutcliffe. So before we thought we talk about Jason Garrett, I think we have to take a moment to appreciate what David Cutcliffe accomplished at Duke, not a, not a football school guys, not, not a football school at all, but coach Cutcliffe managed to take Duke to a bowl game in 2013, 14, 15, 16, 18, and 19, six bowl seasons at Duke. You know how far back you have to go to get the previous six bowl seasons? Oh, this is fun. At Duke? When, you know, again, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18, and 19, they won the Coastal one year. They played for the ACC championship game. 
I'm going to say it was 1978. And that's a total guess. Well, you got to come up with six. Six different. The last six bowl seasons before Cutcliffe did it? Yeah. 94, 89, 60. Oh, man. 57, 54, and 44. Sheesh. The success that David Cutcliffe had at Duke is completely unprecedented, and we should celebrate what he was able to do that literally, literally nobody else was ever able to do. And so first of all, pour one out for Coach Cutcliffe and an amazing, and an absolutely amazing run at Duke. And I love that he was committed there. Cutcliffe had opportunities every year to leave, to go to Ole Miss, to go to Tennessee, right? Everybody wanted this guy. He was committed to Duke. And my, oh, my, what a legacy he had of making Duke a respectable football program. And so I feel like it's very necessary to say all that as we usher in, you know, the next era of Duke football. And as somebody who I don't think I'm I'm not unique in this, everybody should have an awareness to what Duke is capable in football in terms of the bad side of it and to see them get a guy like Jason Garrett, who I understand nobody from an NFL perspective is excited about, right? Like Cowboys fans wanted him gone. The Giants fans were like, get this guy out of here. So I, I get it from that perspective, but to get a guy who I think he was, he from Princeton, right? Like that, that big time academic type school background to have a guy like him to go to Duke um, is exciting for me for a number of reasons, but I'm fully aware of the talent, right? There's good football players in the Carolinas and in Virginia and Tennessee and in that region. And so there's there's enough to go around for the NC States and the Wake Forests and the uh, UNCs and Clemsons and South Carolinas and Virginia. There's enough good football players. I think that this gives Duke a real chance to not go back to what it what could be very dark times uh, when it comes to, you know, college football in the ACC. Right. You just need you need to have somebody who can continue kind of that association with Duke that like you can go here and become an NFL player. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we we can develop pro talent yes. and I think Jason Garrett's experience that's what's most valuable about the potential hire of Jason Garrett. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to become Kansas, right? Or you don't want you don't want to become Duke again. That's what you don't want to do. You don't want to become Duke again. Right. Right. So <laughs> I know that there's a lot going on in the football world, but I took my opportunity to uh, get on my soapbox there about Duke football appreciation for coach cut. And my, my hope that Jason Garrett can prevent this, this, uh, this uh, ship from sinking. Chris. Well, I mean, I feel like we got to talk about Chase Claypool and Thursday night football last night. No. Yes. And just the, boneheadedness of just celebrating after picking up a very important first down and wasting time for his football team late in the game. Probably should talk about that. So, yeah, caught, caught the ball on, what was it, fourth and two? Caught I believe so, yes. For 11 yards to put you 35, 40 yards out of getting into the end zone when you still need a two-point conversion with 40 seconds left and no timeouts. And we get up and we do like the little swing, swing with the point. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't – the it wasn't just the fact that they he celebrated in that moment, but it was then the fact that the ball got lost and kicked 
halfway to the sideline before they could get it set, right? And so anytime you do something like that, you just you you embrace chaos, right? Chaos is just now going to invite itself into the party. And so then the ball, lineman's trying to get the ball. Then they can't agree on who's going to give the ball to the ref, and then it gets thrown, and then it gets dropped, and then it's just time that's just ticking off the clock at this point. And you just – you I, this is the example that I will always point out. When Larry Fitzgerald played in Arizona at the end of the half or in the fourth quarter, that is the film you put up for your wide receivers in the wide receiver room. And you go, this is how you handle these situations. Every time Larry caught the ball in one of those spots, he would run it over, hand it to the referee, and be ready to go. He was the king of stealing three points for the Arizona Cardinals because of his awareness late in games. And it just feels like there are players that do not have that end of half, end of game awareness, and it costs their teams, in this case, the game, but it's sometimes at the end of the half, it costs you an ability to get three points on the board right because you you ultimately cost yourself if everything else would have stayed exactly the same at least one more shot into the end zone yep and i think what's interesting about chase is like chase just got big boyed and put in his place by mike tomlin like two weeks ago oh chase had some comment about practice and the practice environment and I think it should be, we're playing football. It should be fun, like a little music and practice. And Mike Tomlin's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to let Chase Claypool worry about playing wide receiver and I'll worry about the practice procedures. Like, (laughs) back. (laughs) I don't think so. Not on my watch, buddy. And, you know, Chase didn't have a very good start to the game either. He had the dumb personal foul, the, the unnecessary flick of the forehead or whatever he did to the DB that cost him 15 yards. And then he, it looked to me like he fumbled the ball. You know, they, they called him down by contact, but they reversed it. Right. They, and I would, I did not think that was undisputable evidence that he still had possession of the ball when the shin was down and like, yeah, great. Like you made like one of the craziest catches I've seen all season with this acrobatic play on that final possession is one of Ben's YOLO balls, <laughs> in which they hit two every drive to get the points on the board in the first place. And it's like, okay, if that's the way you want to make your living and try and sustain that, week over week over the final month of the season. Good for you. But, like, incredible play on that last possession to make that catch up the sideline and put him near midfield. But it's like, dude, at some point, just, like, have some self-awareness, especially when your coach literally just sunned you, like, two weeks ago. I I will say that, like, stripping Chase Claypool from the story of last night, like, that was fun, you know? Like, Kyle and I, we went out to eat. We came back, and it's like, all right, we're excited to watch Thursday night football, and we're watching this game, and we're like, this is getting out of hand. Yeah, this, this is getting out of hand. Real I'm, ugly there. I'm fighting heavy <laughs> eyelids. You know, that third quarter was a struggle for me to get through. And then all of a sudden, the the Steelers showed some life and made it very, very entertaining. Hell of a play by Harrison Smith at the end of the game to knock that ball out. I mean, that, that was that was a really insane throw right that yeah that Fryermuth had a chance and, and yeah. like he he positioned himself very well to catch that football I mean it's just Harrison Smith late was able to pry it out and it, it just a, a really fun football game and um for the interests of uh Kyle and I we were we were happy that uh Skull took care of business for us our Vikings. Joe, you could say it wasn't a it wasn't a dull end to the game, right? It was it was it oh, wasn't a dull football there game. There was nothing nothing dull about the end of that football game, and uh, you know what's dull? Bad gifts. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting edge technology and innovative techniques, 
They've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, only $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but they're just grown in a lab. And because of that process, they can create stones in bluish pink and beautiful blue, as well as that classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never, and I mean never, a dull moment. Interesting. Would you like me to work through some of the things on my list? I have two for you guys. Yeah, and then I I got a new one that just came across my timeline just now. So we'll end on that. Okay, very good, very good. Um, I just want to shout out, and I didn't get a chance to do this on last Friday's show. So this is something from last week. But I just want to shout out the people that pay attention to every detail of the draft dudes throughout the week. And they make note to Kyle and I things that occur that maybe Kyle and I don't pay attention to in the moment. So I want to shout out a tweet that I got oh, no. late last week from Phil who listened to the, to the nice early listening. stages of Draft Dudes last week and pointed out that on the Monday show in which we did the mock draft, we ended, we ended, we ended November with the mock draft. And, and Joe, to open the show, was like, yeah. listen, I, I wasn't prepared for this. This is not what I thought we were going to do, but I can pivot, right? I, I, I know the whole playbook. I'm prepared. I can pivot. I, I can succeed. And then the next day, when we did the Tuesday episode of the show, and Kyle made mention of, you know, listen, you got to be able to pivot. You got to be able to do a different intro for what we're doing. This is a direct quote from Joe. Quote, I can't do the same intro every day. You think I'm going to pivot and handle all of that. So within a span of 24 hours, Joe is, I can pivot no matter what. And then the next day, I can't pivot at all. Did we, I, I didn't hear it in real time, but shout out to the lovely listeners of Draft Dudes to point these things out Thanks, to me Bill. so that I can make fun of Joe for them. This Joe guy, I tell you, red flags left and right. Yeah, there's there's right? no congruency between his messaging, his and behavior. His, and his actions. Yeah. Right. I'll, I'll tell you this guy. Big red um, flag. And then the other thing I have for you guys is, uh, did you guys see that this morning, the uh, NCAA Rules Committee said, hey, Kenny Pickett, you, you got away with one in, yeah. the, in the ACC championship game. We're not going to allow any more uh, of this fake slide shenanigans. Why? They, they, they have, the yeah, they have like, put an okay. end to this. So the first time you fake a slide and you get blown up, you'll probably not fake a slide anymore, will you? That was my take, is that this is just going to open up quarterbacks to get absolutely hammered now when they do slide. And so I think the rules committee was like, we need to put an end to this before somebody oh, really gets Yeah, it. and I get the fact that like you're you're trying – it's supposed to be for player safety. And I understand that part of it where you don't want to put defenders in that decision where they either got to commit to blasting a guy and he does slide. <laughs> And then you're going to hit him with a foul and probably eject him from yeah. the game. Or they make a decision to lay off and he doesn't slide. And then Kenny Pickett runs for a 58 yard touchdown or whatever it was. So I get it, but don't hate the player, hate the game. Right. I got to, I got to tell you though, the first time they, they try to enforce this rule on a, on a, on a, on a fake slide and it's not, and it's right. not really. Now, now wait the, for the wait yeah. for the next time somebody interprets something to yeah. be a slide, but it wasn't meant to be a slide, and they call a flag for a guy who kind of stumbled and regains his footing, and you're gonna get. What's the foul? Is it is it unsportsmanlike conduct in 15 yards? How do you how are you justifying the call? 
So here's the quote from the uh, the memo from the NCAA National Coordinator of Officials. Uh, quote, anytime a ball carrier begins, simulates, or fakes a feet-first slide, the ball should be declared dead on the by the on-field officials at that point. The intent of the rule is player safety, and the objective is to give a ball carrier an option to end the play by sliding feet-first and to avoid contact. To allow the ball carrier to fake a slide would compromise the defense that is being instructed to let up when the ball carrier slides feet-first. Uh, such a play is not reviewable, but it does not say here in the story that I'm looking at what the penalty would be my assumption is it's the same thing as the targeting call and it's just a personal foul for 15 yards i think they'll they'll mark you i think they're just going to mark you down wherever you they so now you're going to have judgment calls on where guys are are down in live action when they're running because you interpret that they started to fake and simulate a slide it's a it's a rule that exists for the preventative nature of it, right? So you're hopeful that you put a rule like this in place and, and quarterbacks don't try a fake slide and so that you're never in this scenario where that judgment has to go in. What happens if you juke and your momentum and your head goes forward and they, they blow you dead, but you were trying to juke somebody out? Do you trust the officiating crew across NCAA to not make that judgment that's call? An in impossible, real time? Yeah, that's a hard thing to do. Whenever so, I tweeted out. Everyone was losing their mind over Kenny Pickett making this play, and it was a, it was a good play, and it was within the rules, and he should be celebrated for making a great play that was completely legal at the time, right? So right. There, there's no revisionist history here. Like that was a good play, and I was like, well, yeah, Sam Darnold did this right against the Denver Broncos, and I put that put it on Twitter, and a lot of debate was sparked over this. But one person said, well, okay. Are you, you're going to make this illegal? Well, what about pump fakes? What about play action passes? And I I don't know that I fully agree, but I'm interested if you guys have any thoughts about that layer to this conversation. So I, I think I think the argument that Kyle's making, and it's one that I would necessarily agree with, is I don't think the way that they've written this rule is bad, and I think the intent here is very good because they don't want a situation that I outlined where now a defender is going to be like, well, I don't know if you're going to slide or not, so I got to lower my I got to lower the boom on you, and now somebody gets hurt, right? They don't want that. They need to write something that removes that. The problem I have is I don't trust officials as it is to call a good game, and right. now you're adding potentially just it's just a potential. But you're potentially adding another element where they have to make a judgment call in real time. And I can just list off the examples of officials in real time not being able to make these correct judgment calls. And now you're telling me that you're not even able to review this if you do get it wrong. So it's just one of those things where I don't like it because I think it adds more ability for the referees to get something wrong and us to be like, wow, this sucks. Right. So imagine an open field play. Guy jukes. They interpret it as a slide. That player, that quarterback breaks that tackle and he's potentially making a house call and run into the end zone and they're like no no you got to go back to the 40 yard line because we we thought you emulated the slide but yeah and what what defines starting a slide right like there, there's no there's no and i think we all understand in our minds what starting a slide is but you need to understand that these referees in real time the game is moving very fast and they got to make these calls quick because they're trying to keep everybody safe it, it's just i think it's a lose-lose i get what they're trying to do but the, the first time it happens the first time they make this call and it's bad oh twitter's gonna be on fire i feel yep. like if i attempted a snake uh, a fake slide right now my kneecap would break or my, my, my ankle would And that's pop. why Kenny should be applauded for what he was able to do. I mean, that's do. kind of a risky thing to do. You know what I mean? To, like, sell a fake slide? That's a pretty compromising position to put your leg in. Yeah, I agree. He pulled it off very well. It was very he good. He did pull it off very well. Right. Like, no doubt about what his intent was. So, no, I guess it was, maybe, that's, yeah. maybe that's our answer. Like, there was no doubt about what Kenny Pickett's intent was there. I've seen no doubt 
calls get well, made, made wrong all the time. Yeah, I've learned. I've come to accept because I don't know that there's any other choice. But I've come to accept that there's that bad officiating is part of football. I wish that wasn't true. But Joe, but Joe, wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. Yes, I understand bad officiating is part of football, but I can also push back and say, let's not make that bubble bigger. Let's not write rules in the place of where we can have more bad officiating. Let's accept the bad stuff we have and try to fix the bad stuff we have than trying to increase the amount of bad they can do. Uh, I'll bring something up here. This might be a let's little. Go. This might let's be a go. little risky. This might be a little risky. Hold on. Let me, get, let me get comfortable here. Yep. All right. So, my brother Frank, we we uh, we watch every Bills game together and have for a long time. We watch a lot of football together. Love Frank. You guys ever watch football with your with your fathers? Right. Yes. Yep. Surely. Yep. And I don't know if your dads are like my dad was in terms of you watch a football game and there's a flag on every play. Where's the flag? Where's the flag? Where's the flag? Is that true for you guys? <laughs> is that true for you, Kyle? Yes. Okay, is, is that true. true for you, Chris? When you watch football with your – where's the flag? Yes. All right. So here's the thing. This is this is a theory – all credit to my brother Frank because we are not big fans of officiating. We want, we want clear and obvious yep. – just – I mean, honestly, keep it in your pants, right? Like we do not want flags, all right? Yeah, Chris. Chris, at, Chris, do me a favor and send a tweet at NFL officiating. Keep it in your keep pants. it in your pants. So here's the point: these NFL owners, these these people that are running these programs, these are these are old guys, right? These are old guys, just like our dads. Where's the flag? These guys want flags. They're not like us. This is an interesting. You see what I'm saying here? This is an interesting theory. We're all sitting here like I want less officiating. Meanwhile, our fathers have told us since the moment we started watching football with him, where's there's the flag? A, there's a flag on every where's play. If you look hard enough, there should be a flag right. on every play. So we're He's sitting, holding. He's right, holding right there on right, the edge. Pass interference. <laughs> pass interference. Which is weird because there's so much pride and bravado of back in my day, guys, could you, you could play defense, yeah. right? Like You, you could hit you could hit somebody. And, and then that dynamic absolutely, in my experience – with the generation before me that I've watched football with, <laughs> it exists in all of them. It does. So as we sit here and like, oh my God, another rule, another stupid taunting, like the taunting thing in the NFL, right? We all hate it. Our dads love it. They don't want yeah, that. Just go, just go back to the heart. Right? Just go back to we the We have home. to recognize this discrepancy between us and the people who are actually calling the shots here and what they want. The I- owners... I need to interject here, and it's it, it's somewhat of a transition. But but Chris, I want to know if Joe has given you in the last three minutes of this show the same vibe that he gave me. His inner Bill Burr is coming out. Oh right God! Now. Oh, it's real right now. This yeah. is bad. Did did you pick up that? This is bad because I love Bill Burr. <laughs> right, but that soapbox. <laughs> I'm hearing Bill Burr sitting next to me in my office right now. It's yep. crazy. Cer- certainly sounds like it. Love Bill Burr. I don't know if I'm – is that okay these to guys, say that? These guys. Is that okay to say that you like Bill Burr? <laughs> it's fine. Funny guy. He's a little edgy, right? Yeah, he is. A, a, I, I know you didn't. Comedians in their own ways are always a little edgy in some capacity. <laughs> this, this takes on cruise ships. You know, I'll leave it right there. Right. All right. So – and that's – speaking of trying to be funny, this brings me to the thing that came across my timeline that I wanted – Wanted to acknowledge that I hereby, on behalf of Dolphins fans, oh boy. accept Logan Ryan's apology that he issued yesterday to Tua Tungvaloa for his comments after the game. Not sure if you heard those comments, Chris. 
Oh, the uh, the ones in which he said he could he could do what Tua did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm. You saw my high school quarterback tape. Uh, I can <laughs> I can be smart with the football and throw two yard passes to my left like Tua can. Well, that didn't go over very well, and apparently it didn't go over very well with Giants PR either, because on Thursday, just a, uh, apologized for his comments regarding Tua from Sunday, a comment that went the wrong way, and I was trying to be funny, and it wasn't funny, and I don't want to disrespect him. So, Logan, props, whether it was prompted or not, <laughs> but it it's a weird trend where, like, teams play Miami, and then some defensive player comes out, and take, has some shot. Chris, it was John Franklin Myers when it was the Jets. He said he threw up those prayers, and sometimes prayers get answered. And uh, so that, I just thought it was coincidental that there was comments that were made after yet another game. It's like, damn, like there's a whole group that just like, yeah, we're going to clown two after the game. And uh, apparently it was just meant to be funny. Well, do you think, do you think Logan Ryan, it would be appropriate to ask him if he was embarrassed that despite this – high school quarterback playing against him that he could do that they lost the game? Would that be embarrassing? Would it be appropriate to ask if he was embarrassed? Nobody's Nobody here is picking up what I'm laying down here. I'm, I kind of got it. The, the, the whole Micah Hyde, yeah. you, were you embarrassed that you gave up rushing That's yards a, to the Patriots? We'll remember that. We'll remember that. We'll remember that. He'll remember that. <laughs> it's like, no, man. It's like you played in 50-mile-per-hour winds with snow. Like, just say that, right? Like, you don't got to be embarrassed. I thought it was a little bit of a goofy question, but right. I get well, what – he's beating around the bush trying to get, like, right. a certain kind of sound and That's bite. Jerry Sullivan. He's he's done that for years. I appreciate the way Coach, Coach McDermott was asked by Jerry Sullivan the same thing. Were you embarrassed tonight? Sean McDermott just said, yeah, anytime our team loses, I'm embarrassed. Like, just say that, right? Right. Like, right. <laughs> be done with it. Right. But the, the point – back to Logan Ryan, like – you're that's just as much self-incriminating to say that because you lost right right like if it ain't that hard to stop what the hell's your problem right and and it's funny when you did go back and you watch the game tape like his body language was he was so frustrated <laughs> it's like bro it's right here like make a make a play but they, they put enough layers on it that they keep you honest so i thought it was funny watching his body language kind of break down throughout the course of the game. So in every joke, there's a little bit of truth, right? Yeah. And as Joe said, uh, Devante, as Devante Parker said on Instagram, hold that L boy. Is what, <laughs> is what, he, what, he, is what he said okay. back on Instagram to it. So, uh, Chris, any parting thoughts? For yeah, two, you? two things, two things that are quick notes. Uh, Sean Clifford, a Penn State quarterback, officially announced he was going back to school for 2022. Oh, uh, I, I was afraid you were about to tell us that he was in. <laughs> no, no, Go, going back to school for Kyle's so excited he gets to watch another year of Sean Clifford at Penn State. Well, and, or uh, you're excited that you don't have to write that, do that write up. I don't until, to, I'm glad I don't have to do that right. Yeah. <laughs> Postpone that for a year. Gotcha. And then uh, Kyle Hamilton and uh, Kyron Williams uh, of Notre Dame not going to participate in the Fiesta Bowl. So oh, you are, scared are, the hell out of me. They are opting they are opting out of the Fiesta Bowl and preparing for the 2021 or twenty NFL okay. draft. That did scare me because I wrote Kyron Williams' this, like trait by trait breakdown report. And as you started to say that, I'm like, oh, oh I no. I obviously did both of them. It's like, oh no. Like, did they announce their they're coming back. And it's Kyle Hamilton, a guy who we have as a top five player, is uh, going back to school. You, you for never know. You literally never know. Who did? Who most recently did that? That was a top five player. That was a perceived top ten pick and came back. 
would you say Travis Etienne? Well, yeah, that was going to be the one name that I was going to yeah, throw out. So there. that was a surprising one, but like it's happened. Wilkins. I think we. we I think we were. <laughs> we were a little surprised that Olave went back. How about Andrew Luck spurning the Panthers? Right. Said yeah. no. It happens. Not going there. Chris, you butthead. Wants to eat pizza and learn about rocket science. So there you go. Those are my parting thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We're done. Enjoy your weekends, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Draft Dudes podcast. We hope you guys have a great weekend. Week 14 NFL action on Q for Sunday. Plan accordingly and then come back and see us again on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.